Hello, you beautiful people. This is Gary Horn, and this, this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, tradition of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time, as decided by you, the listeners. And uh, this is not my normal recording setup, but I just had to drop in a quick intro here to let you know. Sorry about the delay, but this is our latest interview on This is the NWA, and it is with our most requested guest, Mr. Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch was a true gentleman and every bit as scary as he seems on television, but he was very generous and granted us a lot of time and even answered some of your questions at the end, but we cover everything. I can't thank Trevor enough and I can't thank you people enough for listening. So just be aware that there are a little bit of audio issues here and there. I tried to fix it as best I could, but you know, it's not perfect. None of us are. I am as God made me. But anyway, um, thank you so much for sticking with me while we got this thing sorted out. Anyway, thank you guys so much for all your support. If you like what you hear, please take the time to follow us on social media at the NWA Pod. And it's, this is the NWA on YouTube as well. If you're feeling super generous, a five-star review on iTunes always helps us get in front of more people liking the videos on youtube that sort of thing it just takes a click of the button we'd be super grateful to have that also thank the nwa and thank trevor murdoch for joining us on this one it was really cool of him to volunteer his time and uh, miss out on some of his tomato soup and cheese sandwich that he had waiting on him while he talked to me and speaking of waiting i'm not going to make you wait anymore ladies and gentlemen mr trevor murdoch <laughs> sitting here with trevor murdoch trevor thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us you uh, thank uh, you for having me yeah man you uh, i don't know believe it or not dude you are uh one of the most asked for people we got <laughs> like uh pe- people have been really cool about the interviews i've been able to do with people and every time i solicit advice or like a- ask like who, who do you want to hear who do you want somebody to talk to uh, it's always Trevor Murdoch gets thrown in there. Right on, right on, man. man. <laughs> makes, makes the fat guy feel good. <laughs> I can relate to that. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, Trevor, and also, not only, not only do you, you're probably tougher than me. I'm not going, I'm not going to lie, but the, uh, no, I, but, I am. Let's just clear that up. <laughs> You uh, you definitely got uh, also fashion sense wise. I like some sleeveless shirts, and so I roll around in sleeveless shirts and, and ball caps all the time. So I don't know if that's your normal everyday style. But. No, my 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 home attire is very similar. I'm a very comfortable individual. Uh, sometimes too comfortable because I ain't afraid to show a little body. As you can tell, <laughs> it's all about the company you keep. You know what I mean. That's a good question. Hey, you know what? Like, uh, just since we're on it, we're talking about body types and everything else. How do you decide? Like, how do people decide what wrestling attire they're gonna wear? You know what I mean? Like, you went straight with the trunks, but like somebody like Aldis, who's like all super fit, he's wearing the long tights. 
and uh, Trevor Murdoch's out here sporting the, uh, you know, the short ones. I'll tell you exactly how I got to I'm going to wear trunks. When I first started wrestling, I was uh, very, you know, I covered my body. I had a full body singlet. I would wrestle, and I started wrestling for Harley. And I may be, I may be in training, been in, in school maybe, oh, man, three months. And we're about ready to, to have our second set of shows. And Harley calls me into the office, and he goes, Trevor, you're going to start wearing trunks. And I go, no, I'm not. And I'll never forget this. He goes, if I tell you to wear pink trunks, you'll wear fucking trunks. <laughs> and, and I said, yes, sir. I said, I said, I don't know where to get them. He goes, well, hold, you know, he goes, hold on a minute. And he opens up his, his big yellow book with all these names and numbers, and he picks out a date. And he finds K&H's phone number on that date, and he calls them right there, orders my trunks right there over the phone and pays for them with his credit card and makes me pay him back when I get my paycheck that week. <laughs> I wore green trunks from there on, man. It was just like a Harley race just decided that's that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, um, for him at the time, like, you know, you think I carry a little weight now. Back then, I was really out of shape. You know, I was just getting into training. So I was just a young kid, uh, just turning 21 years old, um, not having any real, like, I, had, I played football in school and baseball, but that kind of training is way different than wrestling training. So when <laughs> when Harley Race tells you to do something like that, you, you just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. And he made me... It made me work harder in the ring and in the gym because I had to see myself in those trunks. You know what you I mean? Think, yeah, do you think that was like in the back of his mind when he was doing that or something? I I, I would hope so. You know, I mean, that, that's the way I look at it, and that's the way, like, I think, I know Harley well enough, like, if the kid sees himself in the mirror, maybe he'll do something about it. I can totally see him saying that. So that, that's how I took it, and I did. I mean, back when, dude, I mean, I was in the ring. Harley, you know, first first and foremost, when you're a student, not only a student, but one of the first students of the Harley Race Academy, we were the guinea pigs, man. We were doing, you know, five- and six-hour training days. And for the first three months, I puked every single day. I mean, literally, be in the ring doing our cardio, and I feel it coming. I'd run outside puke in the street, go get the bucket, fill it up real quick, splash it on the puke in the street, because you can't just leave puke in the street, run back into the ring, and, and catch up and do my calisthenics. And I did for the first three months, that was my routine every single day, and Harley laughed his ass off. And I know it sounds slightly sadistic. It was, I'm sure it was, was entertaining to a certain extent. <laughs> and yeah. But he also knew that I was giving him everything I had every single day. He can't ask for much more. You know what I mean? No, exactly. No, and and it's sadistic. I mean, when I when I picture Harley Race, like right now, actually, just to put it out there, like I'm I'm um one of the next things I want to do with this podcast is I want to um start digging into the history of the NWA. Uh, I want to have like a whole episode each week that's just dealing with like a character from the past or a storyline or a 
show or whatever. So because I the NWA is so rich with like just all of this shit that's happened in the past, and yep. uh, one of the things I'm doing right now, the first big thing I'm trying to tackle is uh, Harley Race. I'm actually like reading his book. I'm right in the middle of it as we speak. Man, that thing was not easy to find, by the way. It was like out of print and just not anywhere. I had to pay some guy like 40 bucks for that book. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But anyway, so I'm reading his book and uh, I'm listening to interviews. I'm listening to, you know, like podcasts. Like you, you, I think you, uh, after he passed, you did a little thing for Conrad and JR. Yeah. I'm, I'm like listening to all these stories. He sounds like just an amazing person. Like if if somebody, I don't even think you could make a movie on his life. Now, like he just seems incredible. Like you just can't I believe a person I like this lived. I don't think people would believe some of the stories that are true about what he had done in and outside of the ring. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like I think he he just it's it's unreal. Just the the person that he was, but. I mean, at the same time, you don't, you're, for you to go to him and him be the guy to train you, that's pretty incredible because, I mean, he's like the, you're talking about, like, if you ask people who the greatest wrestler of all time is, a lot of times, like, uh, say you throw out somebody like Ric Flair, that's who you'll hear a lot of the time, and Ric Flair will tell you Harley Race. Like, it's... Right. It's just, it's amazing. Like you're, it's cool that you got the chance to actually train with with the man. He seems like the most respected person in the world. Well, and at the time, it was just the timing and the stars were aligned perfectly, bro. It really, if you, if I look back on it, um, I was wrestling for three years before I even met Harley um, in St. Louis for a company called Central States Wrestling Alliance. Uh, my brother. It's one of those deals where uh, my brother and I were both fans, and uh, my brother met a guy working at his regular job who was an independent wrestler that trained him. And then I've always been this. When I when I turned 13, I was almost six foot at 13. I've just always been big. And I got yeah. to about six four and just peaked out. So when I got to be, uh, I got, uh, let's see, I was 19, 19, 20. I was kind of like their tackling dummy. And those guys would just beat the snout out of me. And and for three years, about the only thing I could do was sell well, and I could take bumps really well. And I got lucky and ended up doing Harley's. Uh, Harley started running a company called World Legion Wrestling. And he was running shows out of Springfield, Missouri, out of this huge bar called Remington's. It's where I, where I first met Dave Marquez, actually. That's okay. when, when Dave makes comments about knowing me for a long time. Dave knows me from the beginning, from the beginning. He's my OG. You know, Dave Marquez is what a wonderful human being. You know what I mean? And such a talented individual. But right. um, Harley opened up that school in Springfield, and uh, while he was doing these World Legion tapings, once he stopped World Legion, I had got to do a couple shows, and he told me about opening up his school. And as soon as he opened it up, I wasn't, I think it was a week later I was down there. And you don't, I mean, for anybody, I'll, I'll tell you some bullshit I found out, Trevor, is that uh, your name, you, I, I legitimately, until the NWA started, I always actually thought you were Dick Murdoch's kid. 
Like, I just remembered you from WWE, and I knew that you were Dick Murdoch's kid, and that is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just just say I'm honoring the legends and move on with it. That way there's no hurt feelings. (laughs) You you didn't actually, I mean, but just to, I mean, we can dig into this however much you want, but you never actually even met Dick, did you? No, no, I never met Dick. He was he had already passed a uh, time I got to meet Harley and and got to become tight with Harley and, and have that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I mean, I I totally. I, I, it was easy to buy into because yeah, obviously there was something about the look that just you know it was easy to accept that that it was that way. But uh, no, instead you grew up so. You you told me you, you you intimidated me when we first started talking because you were like do your homework and I'm like no oh, I always do my homework I did there's <laughs> nothing worse than doing an interview and the guy doesn't know who he's talking to oh yeah no I hundred percent know who I'm talking to and uh, you grew up in a house with your so no don't get me wrong internet can lie to you right no we, I'll tell you <laughs> not true no honestly uh-huh. I'll tell you not true but you grew up like your dad was a truck driver and your mom's a stay at home mom she had you had like she had 10 kids is that right yeah I've got seven I have seven sisters and two brothers and I'm the baby that is insane that is so many kids <laughs> <laughs> so uh I'm the biggest though I'm the biggest Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Did your older brother uh, agree with that? Yes, actually, okay. they both would because they have to look up to me. Nice. All right. <laughs> but but at a certain point, your your my understanding is your father passed away, and uh, you you uh, did you end up in the foster system? Is that is that accurate? Here's here's the back. There's some switching of situations there. Okay. Um, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, my parents, when I was uh, at a young age, divorced, and not soon after, my mother took me to the Division of Family Services and signed over her rights to me, which kept me in the foster care system for about five years. I had a family member who was like a third or fourth cousin, like one of those guys that you just see every once in a while, didn't feel that it was right that I was in um, a foster home, a member of his family was in a foster home when he had a home that he could provide for me. So this truck driver who has nine other children or eight other children and only one income spent $40,000 in lawyer fees and going through the court system to get me out of that situation and bring me to his home and make me a member of his family. And those are the people that I call my mom and dad. Those are my brothers and sisters. They had to deal with me being an asshole (laughs) as a kid in the foster care system because it really messed me up. You know what I mean? You're going for a good life, mom and dad, everybody's cool to, hey, listen, we're getting a divorce. You know, several months later, hey, listen, you know, we're going to just give you away. You know, so I, I came out as a very angry individual. I thought the world owed me something. You know what I mean? And and naturally so, any kid going through that would feel that way. And Earl, the man I call my dad today, um, and I love so much, um, 
took that punk kid and said, the world don't owe you shit. You got to work for it. You want it, you work for it. You want to, you want people to respect you, you respect people. You want, you want something, you go work hard for it. And he, he had to deal with, with a jerk of a kid for a long time in a household that he didn't have to. And I had brothers and sisters that had to deal with a mean SOB for a long time that didn't have to. All because they loved me. And they, they knew that, that there was a better life for me. And there was. And it just took me a while to realize that someone could love me that much, that I could change and be a good person, but not take any shit and not be afraid to go out and work hard for, for something if you want it. Most people, I love them so much because those are the values they instilled in me and I've applied it to everything in my life. You talk about WWE. I was working a real job three days after WWE let me go because it wasn't, okay, I'm going to go. I've worked every single day of my life. It's just how I am. It's how I produce for my family. And I have two boys, and I have a beautiful daughter who's 20 in high school or in college. But I got two young men in my house that I want to represent them same qualities because their lives are going to be tougher because this world is getting a little harder for everybody. You know what I mean? No, I absolutely know what you mean. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, not to get all, like, weird or personal, but, no, the, the reason I resonated with that foster care thing is I, I um, uh, my wife and I, we, we, you know, recently found out, like, it, this is going to be the best route to adopt. So we've been, like, looking at that. And so when I saw that about you, it stood out to me that, like, oh, here's a guy from the foster care system, like, who, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's lived that life. And it sucks because you do, you, you see those kids that are, that are out there right now. And then some of them get older and, and, you know, you're like thinking like, what's, what's going on in their heads? What do they think right. about the world? Because they're stuck in this situation. And I don't know. So it was just interesting to me to like, see somebody like you who's taken whatever aggressiveness and at least with the right guidance, like you channeled it into something positive. Yeah, man, and you need to know right now that I've never spoke about that publicly to anybody. This is the first time I've ever talked about this. The NWA podcast got it. Just to let you know, that's never been an interview subject that I've allowed to happen. Oh, that's cool, man. I really appreciate you uh, being open with us and talking about it. So so where did um, – and, and, and the reason I'm – you know, when, I, when I've talked to some other people, like, say, a, a, a Nick Aldis or a David Lagana, they do, like, so many interviews all the time. And they – I try not to cover stuff that everybody's heard over and over again. But the deepest pool I could find, and I had to reach for this and pay for it because, like, Colt Cabana's podcast is behind a paywall now. But he's, like, uh -huh. the guy I felt like in the art of wrestling that you got the most in-depth with – out of anybody I could find, I'm, I'm kind of letting myself go back into this uh, telling stuff I, I thought maybe you had told before. So if I hit on anything, you're like, God, just shut up, you know, let me know. No, <laughs> go ahead, man. Go ahead. It's interesting to me. I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of curious about, like, where you come from. So, like, in all of that stuff that you're talking about, all these things that we just covered, where does wrestling come into play? Like, how did that come into your life? You know, I... 
my first, my early memories are of me and my my older brother uh, waking up on Sundays watching world class wrestling, and I vividly remember you know sitting in my underwear eating cereal and thinking that it was the best show in the whole world. I mean, Kerry Von Erich, Iceman King Parson, gentleman Chris Adams, these guys were out there beating the crap out of each other. And the crowd's going nuts. They're booing them. They're loving them. They're booing them. They're loving them. I'm booing them. I'm loving them. And it was something that I really enjoyed. And as I transitioned through, you know, parents fighting and, and, you know, not having cable at the house or foster homes or, or back home in Fredericktown with my family, my mom and dad, wrestling was always on the TV. And it was like my only, like my slight, my only constant. You know what I mean? Like my, yeah. You know, I was, it was I'm only, yeah. I was like Linus, and that was my security blanket. As crazy as you know what I'm saying? The Linus, the, the kid with the security blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And peanuts. All right, and all right, that. right on. And Charlie Brown. Yeah. Right on my cartoon, my Charlie Brown. Yeah, you got, anyway, you got it. You're nailing it. Right on. The wrestling was always the constant, man. Whether it was the old stuff was world class or WWF or you know, as you get older, you know, WCW, and I mean, it's, wrestling was always there, and I loved it. There is nothing cooler in the world than getting an emotional connection with the crowd where they can feel what you're feeling and see what you're doing and, and understand what you're doing in the ring, and they feel it. That emotional connection that I get with the crowd is the most rewarding thing I can do in this business because they know what I'm trying to convey to them. They know it and they want it. And that's what I want to deliver every single time I step into the ring. I want to give them something different. But I want them to feel every moment of it because that's what wrestling is supposed to do. Wrestling, wrestling is supposed to take you out of the realm of, of reality. You're supposed to forget about your bitching boss the kids that are crying up your butt, the work that you don't want to do, and you're supposed to forget about all that and zone in to what's going on into the ring. And if, if the talent that's in that ring is really good, you can associate some part of your life with that talent, good or bad, and you get that emotional connection with that talent, and you feel what they're trying to do, and you attach that with your boss that's being an asshole, and you see a fantastic wrestler like Aaron Stevens getting his ass handed to him. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it makes you feel a little relieved and a little recharged and go back to work and you look at your boss and you go in the back of your head, I could just stomp you. You know, I, you know, I know it's a, a little crazy thing, but you know what I'm saying. It's a No, relief. no, no. I think every anybody listening would know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. And everybody that you see that steps into that NWA ring is able to get that emotional connection. I'm all of them, from all the from the ladies to the guys to I'm mean, the tag teams. Everybody is able to grab some part of you and bring you into the ring. And and man, you can't say that about a lot of locker rooms. I guarantee you that you can't say that. NWA's got something special. Billy Corrigan and Dave Lagana have created some, and Nick Aldis have created something special. I, I agree. I think that they have tapped into something that like people have been 
desperate for out of out of wrestling. Everybody I've talked to, like so far in this podcast and everything else, there's, there's like a realness about those people, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to ask what's what's super cool, real quick. I want to add to that though. No, go ahead. Super competitive people in that locker room as well too. Everybody's wanting to play by the same rules, but everybody's looking at each other, going, "You're going to step up your game because I'm going to step up mine." Everybody wants to bring that top notch game. No, I, I and I, I think you can feel that. Like it. Oh man, I want to. I want to get to like you and Nick Aldis that everybody just saw, but because uh, that I, I loved that match. I, but that's the only. That's the first chapter. That's the first chapter between me and that man. I have nothing but the utmost respect for Nick Aldis. Let's let's pause for a moment and let me speak to you about him as a man. Absolutely. Uh, you talk about a man that has gone out and did it the hard way. He went out, came from a different country nonetheless, and went in and busted his ass to earn his spot and go through the trials and tribulations of tough companies and tough in the tough business to become the real world heavyweight champion. And he does it with grace and style and professionalism. And you can't do anything but respect him for that. Everybody knows who's ever seen me in my career how important that NWA title is to me and what it represents and the kind of man that needs to be holding that title. And as badly as I want that title, I can't see anybody else better, tougher, more intelligent than Nick Aldis right now. And I, and I, I can't shine that guy up any more than what I just did because he is an amazing individual, and um, he's definitely tough in the ring as well, too. That 10 pounds of gold really does something to people because you guys, you're, you're talking about him so friendly, but you, you in that match were not friendly with each other. Like, I saw you kick the ropes up in between his legs at one point, and, the, uh, you know, he, he, he was... Let's just be yeah. real about it. <laughs> right, right. Um, as much as him and I respect each other, we also understand that we didn't get in this business not to be the guy holding that title, that championship. So the fact that I'm able to stand across the ring from the champion, he knows as well as I do that neither one of us are ultimately going to take this lightly. And I, and I think that that's only going to intensify things between him and I later on down the road. You never know what happens when it comes to the NWA. But that's also the sign of an extremely talented individual because he brings the best out of me, and that's what you want out of an opponent. I want a guy who, who charges me up. I want a guy who looks at the ring and is not intimidated by me, who isn't scared of me. I When I get in that ring, I hurt people. That's my full intentions. I know that's not wrestling 101 and all that, but my job is in there is to beat people up, and that's what I do. And I'm an intimidating individual. I know this. That's why I do what I do. I get in people's head before they even get in the ring. When I stepped across the ring from Nick Aldis, I wasn't in his head. Not yet. I like that. Yeah, I mean, because Mr. Murdoch, the uh, if I if I heard anything at all remotely negative about you and anything I looked up, it was just that uh, 
Trevor Murdoch lays it in. Trevor Murdoch will punch you hard. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that I'm not a, I'm not some of the guys' favorite to get in the ring with. Um, and I, I know that. And I'm, but I'm not apologetic about it either, because whatever I'm dishing out to those guys in there, they got if they got the balls and they can hang. I'll come on, bring it on. I'm ready to give it my all because that's what fans pay for. That, exactly. That, that's, what, that's what people here. Here's what I truly appreciate about the fans is I understand what it's like to only have a certain amount of money and to go, okay, I can either pay this bill or I can go watch this show. And when those individuals or they, or they, they sacrifice something else that they enjoy to come watch us wrestle. Those are the people that I'm tuning to. Those are the people that I'm going to try to give 110% to. I want them to walk out of there and go, holy shit. Did you see what that dude, what Murdoch did to that dude? If they walk out of there saying that and they're behind me and, and believe in me, I, I feel like I gave them their money's worth. Yeah, and man, you did. I, I, I told this to Ricky Starks, and, and you're the other person that I could tell this to. The One of the most impressive things about that, I, I was at the TV tapings in Atlanta, and it was just you and Starks, not to pull back the curtain too much, but we have to remember that everybody's seeing this play out over weeks at a time. This was two nights and the both of you busted your ass both nights, like at more matches than I think anybody else. Like I could not believe you had it in you, uh, him too, just to just to go the distance like you guys did. Like just, it, it felt like you guys were constantly having to come out and go at it with somebody else. It was crazy. Well, uh, and that you know what, when you step into the NWA, you got to put your big boy pants on, and um, we talk about Ricky Starks. Man, you talk about an awesome, an awesome guy. I don't mean to shine that guy up either, but you can't. How can I not? I mean, my first match back, that dude, he, he came out of nowhere and used a wrestling move. That's what I think kind of threw me off, to be absolutely honest with you, compared to what I've, I'm used to and what I've seen. The guy caught a wrestling move on me and beat me. And I had no choice but to show that man respect because he deserved it and earned it and outsmarted me that night. That dude's on the rise, man. He's slick. And he knows what he's doing in the ring. Don't sleep on that guy. Don't sleep on Ricky Starks. Because that man's on his way up. And that's, I mean, I can't, I know it sounds like I'm just, everybody's the greatest. But you, I, you can't, I mean, those guys have already proved, started to prove themselves. All I'm doing is repeating their hard work that's already proven on TV. You know what I mean? No, absolutely, man. And 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 it means something coming from you. Because here's the thing. Well, before we get there, let's let's go back. Because, I mean, you're a guy who, I mean, after you left Harley School, and I don't know how much Harley had to do with this, but you you are a, a fellow who you ended up at the, the upper echelons of wrestling. I mean, you were in the WWE, and you are a three-time tag team champion. There's... Not many people that get to say that. Like, you held gold. You've been in the pay-per-views. You've been in the spotlight. All of that stuff. You and you and Lance Cade. I remember you from that time. Like, I was watching. Obviously, I kind of hated you at the time. And <laughs> then I did my job, dude. I did yeah. my job. I'm, I'm a, you know, man, here's the thing, dude. I'm a heel. 
if I at that at that time we're talking, you know, we're talking a little shop, you know, for the WWE I was heel. And I wasn't I didn't want how how's the best way I can put this, man? Uh, I wanted to do my job, but I know what a heel is. I was trained, I was taught, I was bred to know what a heel is and know what a good guy is. A heel's not a pretty guy, or if he is, he's not a likable pretty guy. He's not um a heel is somebody that you don't you want to see get their ass kicked, and that was my job. Like, that was whatever I could do within my limits to make you believably, emotionally get connected, that you want to see me get my head kicked in. I did my job. Yeah, you, know? you, you definitely did. And it was, what what's funny about, like, nowadays and, and then is for uh, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I've been, like, YouTubing it up on you. And uh, I've been watching these old vignettes with, like, you and Lance Cade. And I, like, I don't know. I watch them now, and I'm like, how did I miss this? I love these guys. This is fun <laughs> as hell. Like, this is, you know, Lance Cade tried to tell you, like, uh, you know, you guys are in Tootsies in Nashville. And he's just like, oh, we're coming. We're coming for the tag team titles. And you're like, yeah, we're going to rip your heads off, and I'm going to pull down my pants. And I'm going to, he's like, whoa, whoa, he, he's saying we're going to beat you. <laughs> And I'm watching this, I'm like, man, this is a badass tag team. I like this. <laughs> but uh, if if we were just able, like, it's it just if we were able to get that kind of shine that, like, I'm getting now with the NWA, the fans and the people, uh, I think Lance and I would have, we could have, the sky's the limit. You know, uh, tagging with Lance Cade, man, I miss that cat so much. Yeah, I wanted that to talk dude, to you about him, yeah. Yeah, that dude was 290 pounds with not an ounce of fat on him and could move like a cruiserweight in the ring. And the mindset that that dude had, I could look at him in the ring while I'm beating the crap out of somebody and not say a word and him read my mind like it was like some some Spock stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like he was reading my shit. And... I could tag out, and he would step in and do exactly what I was thinking, and vice versa. And we're doing it in an entertainment world. You know what I'm saying? Um, we were we were trying to wrestle in an entertainment environment, and it just didn't seem to translate to the front office. But when him and I were in the ring, like there wasn't huh, there wasn't anybody that could legitimately take us. I mean, when when we were walking around catering or in the ring or if we were out in another country and you saw me walk out of a coffee shop, everybody knew they were looking around, where's Kate? And vice versa. That dude and I were, were a legitimate tag team. If we would, he lived in Texas and I lived in Missouri. So when we would fly to a town to start our loop for WWE, if I got there first, I would wait at the airport for him, or if he got there first, he would wait for me. We would immediately get to the rental car, and we would share a rental car the whole loop. We shared, uh, we got hotel, double hotel room. We saved money on getting doubles. Um, where you've seen one, you've seen the other. When fans saw me, they saw they saw Cade. When they saw Cade, they saw me. We were a legitimate, true friend tag team. Two guys that got thrown together because... They came up with a really good idea, and they thought, hey, let's see how this works. And with Lance being trained by Shawn Michaels and me being trained by Harley, there's a similar mind frame of how pro wrestling should be with Shawn and Harley. They, you know, Harley was on 
you know, on the older end of his career while Sean was coming up from his, but Sean knew the old school ways and that's how he trained guys. So when Kate and I got together, it was like we were, we had been trained together. We had the same psychology of matches. We had the same attitude of we're the fucking heels. We lead this shit. We were, we were, we thought we were badasses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, you know, yeah. Um, at one time, uh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I forgot what town we're in. But at the time, uh, Triple H had, had a falling out with Billy Gunn and uh, Road Dog Jesse James. Right now, they're obviously, they're all friends, you know. But at this moment in time, things hadn't gotten back together. And we were doing a show in this town where Billy and Road Dog were doing an autograph signing. And it had gotten back to Triple H, to Hunter, that they were going to come and jump Hunter in the middle of the main event when Hunter came out for his match. This is all a, a shoot. Wow. This is legit. Um, so out of nowhere, Hunter comes up to me and Lance, and he goes, hey, guys, uh, you two going to be watching my match tonight? And, of course, you know, we're, we're greenhorns compared to Triple H. Of course, sir. We're over, yeah, yeah. Hell, yeah, we're watching. We're watching every night. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know Triple H. He goes, all right, enough that shit. He goes, listen, this is what's going on. And he proceeds to explain to us about, at, at the time, he had been told that Billy Gunn and Road Dogg were going to jump in, in the ring and, and beat his ass in the middle of, of the show. It was a house show, so it wasn't televised. He goes, I want you guys to watch the curtain and watch my match. And he goes, if you see those two knuckleheads get anywhere close to that ring bear, you run your asses out there and go out there and handle business. And we're like, Oh shit! This got serious. All right, all right. Okay. I mean, this one's gonna hurt because both them guys are legit tough guys too. But all right, yeah. When the boss calls, yeah, we're here. We're here. And we were gonna run out there. And if those two guys showed up, even though we didn't want to, we were fans still too. Bro, dog, and, you know, Billy Gunn. Shit. We we don't want to fight him, but I ain't gonna argue with him. I ain't gonna say no. Not to mention, you know, I. Won't, you know, it's kind of cool. Triple H comes up wanting us to look out for him. You know, it was, it was cool because he knew that me and Cade would do it. He knew that we would take a bullet for him, and we would. You know, he always he liked us and respected us and, and, and went out of his way to try to help us with our matches because he understood the gimmick. I just think at the end, you know, it's, he focused on other things, you know, instead of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the tough part. Like, you guys, I mean, it's a weird thing. Like, uh, you you and Lance had a lot of success. I mean, you were three-time tag team champions, which is, I mean, during that period, I mean, that's a lot more, like I said, than a lot of people could say that you, that you, you drag that out. When I was looking back through stuff, I would see it was almost like they would tear you apart, and then we're like, ah, put you back together again. Like, they couldn't figure out what they were doing doing with you does that make sense does that feel no i totally understand no i'll tell you exactly how the whole beginning of that break them up uh situation happened me and lance were were uh taping the vignettes for the ones that took tees and all those and lance had gotten to a conversation with an executive with wwe that tried to convince Lance that John Cena was a legitimate thug, like real life, like he, like he would talk like that at the time, and he was a real thug, you know. Right. And Lance, like, 
man, I was with him down in OVW, dude. I know. I mean, he's from Boston, Massachusetts, and this executive got offended because Lance didn't buy into it. Well, that same executive the next day went back to Raw at the production meeting and proceeded to bury me and Lance, but more so Lance, that he didn't have it and, and proceeded to talk me up to make me look better so Lance look worse. And if you look, Lance and I win the tag titles. Four weeks later at the next pay-per-view, Lance gets killed at the pay- at the pay-per-view by Big Show and Kane. Um, you know, we're, we're getting into some meaty stuff here when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, that's the kind of shit that made me want to get out of wrestling. I worked eight years at the time to get to the WWE, to bust my ass, to... I mean, I, I lived in Japan for six months and trained in the dojo uh, for six months doing 300 squats, or 500 squats, 300 push-ups a day, neck bridges, Miller, right? bumps a day, busting my ass to get to the number one company in the world. And in four weeks, an executive disagreed with what my tag partner said, and our push was cut short. Oh, that's I crazy. Fucking, I wanted to vomit in my mind. I mean, I just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? All that work, all those years, and then some some guy, just because he disagrees with an opinion, you know, shuts things down for us. And so we were rebuilding from after that. You know what I mean? They were trying to push me a little bit, but they weren't sure. And Lance and I were on doing house shows, still tagging together. And finally we had pushed to the office, and we went to Vince, and we're like, listen, we are a tag team. Put us together. Bam. All right, Caden Murdoch, you're on TV next Monday. And that's where we're <laughs> back together out of nowhere. Like, oh, all of a sudden they're friends again. Woo! Yeah, that's you know, that's insane. You know, those scenarios is what made me really enchanted with not wanting to do any business there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you ended up. I mean, you guys get those those runs, but then you. I think at one point I, I saw you're doing like movie reviews. Or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, you know, those were fun, but they had, and, and I sound, I sound negative. They were. I had fun doing those, right? But they never pointed me in a direction. They never let me be me. You know what I mean? It never. They never let it go anywhere. And I don't know why they never wanted to pull the trigger. I, I don't. I legitimately don't know. Like, I didn't get in trouble. Kept to myself. I got wife and kids, so when I, I didn't go out and party. You know what I mean? I, I'm, uh, I, I wasn't a bad employee for that company, um, so I don't, I don't understand why they didn't. Well, do you ever think it's like, uh, you know, not to be, you know, again, like we're we're on the same level here. I'm not talking shit, but uh, do you ever think it's like because of WWE is like all jacked up, like same looking guys? You um, know? I, I don't, I don't know if that's totally what it is. I mean. When I was there, I had a lot of people like the fact that I wasn't jacked up, cut up. And actually, they had asked me to put on a little bit more weight, um, my old school guy at the time. And that, that was coming from an executive. I ain't naming no, no names. I ain't trying to bury nobody. Right. Um, but that's, you know, hey, listen, ain't another, you know, you can get a little, a little fluffier there, pal. You know, it's your gimmick, you know, which was entertaining because you go to, you know, a Denny's or an IHOP and, <laughs> you're with all these superstars and your buddies, and you know one guy's like, 
uh, yes, can I please have, uh, you know, hash browns, no butter, please, no butter on the toast. Uh, I need uh, six egg whites. Uh, and the next guy orders, you know, chicken breast with this. And, and, you know, can I please have vegetables but make them steamed, no butter. And, they're just, and then you get to me. And I'm like, can I please have the country fried steak? Uh, all their butter and fat, you can put that on my plate. I need mashed potatoes and gravy. I need two two biscuits and uh, sweet tea, please. <laughs> and those guys would crack up. And this lady would look at me like, who the hell are you? I go, I'm the talent. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you guys, I, I almost regret that I did not respect the team that you and Kate had back in the day. So I, I definitely wanted to mention it because it, I, I was looking back through all of the clips and everything you guys did. I, I really appreciated like him having this like smooth talking cowboy, like looks like an elite athlete. And then you look at like, you'll just fuck something up. Like you're just a crazy person. Like you're just, well, when, the, well here's my deal. Like I get into the company and, and I'll tell you exactly how all of this came about. I I just got back from spending six months in the dojo, no pro wrestling. I'm, I'm wrestling guys, Kabashi, Masawa, uh, Akiyama, Tawe, Takiyama, Marufuji, Kenta. Uh, I just come back six months doing, I mean, in phenomenal shape. I wasn't jacked and gut up, but you couldn't blow me up. And the thing was, uh, when I got back, Harley had booked me for a WWE tryout. Well, I had already done like seven or eight of them and had different matches, and nobody paid me any attention. So that's why I went to Japan and stayed six months in the dojo, living there away from my wife and kids, so I could make my career there. I was like, the hell with WWE. If you don't want me, I'll go to Japan. I can be me and still get over. Um, so I come back, and Harley's like, I've got you a tryout, kid. And, of course, I'm yes, sir, all right. And it was just another 250 for me. 250 bucks. I get to eat catering. I get to be a mark a little bit. And I wanted to see if I was as tall as Triple H. I remember that so vividly that day. I was like, I want to see if I'm eye to eye with Triple H, man. Because if I'm as tall as him, I can look as big as him. And sure enough, we were eye to eye. And I was like, got you, sucker. But anyway, I move on. And I, <laughs> and I go out to the ring. And I'm at this WWE tryout. And they don't have anything for us. So I just get in. I don't really care. I, I know they're, they're not, they, they showed no interest in me before, so I don't give a shit, you know. Uh, but I put on my, my shorts and my knee pads and stuff, and I go to the ring, and as I climb in the ring, I see Chris Benoit outside on the ring floor, and he's doing 500 squats. And he's doing that for his warm-up, for his match. Whereas for me, it was a complete total workout till failure. That was the end of my day. I didn't right. even watch TV after my squat. He's doing it as a warm-up for his match. So I just want to get the rub from him in Japan. So I start doing, I'm, dude, I'm flexible. I've had Japanese guys stretching me for six months in the ring. I mean, I, I do my butterfly stretches. I start doing my, my, my bridges, and I, my nose is touching the mat. If anybody knows what bridges is, they know what I'm talking about. They'll know that's pretty hard, and it gets his attention. And he comes over and he goes, hey, uh, you, have you trained in Japan? And, bro, it was my time to lay out my resume. I was like, yes, sir. I said, I just got back from the dojo. I've been there for six months. And he goes, for what company? And I said, Noah. 
And he goes, oh, that's Masao and Kabashi's company, isn't it? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, who trained you? And I said, Harley Race. He goes, you're a Harley Race guy? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, huh. He goes, you got a match tonight? And I said, no, sir. And he goes, wait right here. Ten minutes later, Chris Ben walks in the back. He goes, all right, kid, you got a match tonight, man. Show him what you got, buddy. Good luck. And he walks away. So I went from not giving a shit, not caring whether I come back or ever get a job at WWE, so now I've got the attention of everybody that I wanted to before they're going to watch me tonight. So I have a match with Rob Conway on Sunday Night Heat. If you remember back, they used to have heat. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, had a great singles match with Rob Conway. And coming to back, Johnny Ace asked him, he goes, hey, about to go. Rob, got to love Rob, puts me over. He goes, man, that cat can work. It was a good match. Thank you, Trevor. Peace out. Johnny goes, hey, come on back tomorrow for for smackdown because that's when they used to tape smackdown on tuesday nights even though it aired on thursday i think but they taped it on tuesday the next night and uh so i come back to smackdown the next night and again i wasn't thinking about getting a job i was just scoring like another 250 500 two days Woo-woo. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah I'm, I'm just in bank you know and i'm eating catering again and they go hey you got a match with um rob conway's partner Rene Dupree, uh, we're going to see what you got tonight, though. And um, I went out there and had a great match with Rene Dupree. <laughs> I come back, and I got the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life, ever. I come through the gorilla. Everybody's like, good job, kid, good job, kid. And I come down, and I walk through this little aisleway, and I run nose-to-nose right into Arn Anderson. And he stops, and I've never met him before, and I'm the, the inner kid in me is going, yay! And... I'm like, hello, sir. And he doesn't say anything. He looks at me. He, he lowers his glasses and looks at me over his glasses. And he goes, oh, kid, you're going to fuck around and uh, get yourself a job here. And walks away. <laughs> and I was like, that was the coolest moment ever. And I go back yeah. into the locker room. And I'm like, man, what a two days. Like, this is totally unexpected. I made 500 bucks. I ate some badass catering, had two good matches. I was like, whoop, 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 good days. You know what I mean? I was happy. Johnny Ace comes in, and uh, he goes, "Uh, kid, I need to talk to you. Come in the office here. And I was like, oh, man, that's never happened before. What I do, (laughs) you know what I mean? Nobody's ever paid me any attention. (laughs) And uh, I go into his office, and uh, he he asked me, he goes, where are you working, kid? And, And I was actually a bartender at the bar I ended up owning after I went to the WWE, um, I said, I'm a bartender. And uh, he goes, you want a job here? And I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth because I was totally caught off guard. And I just nodded my head up and down. Mm-hmm, 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 yep. And uh, he goes, uh, give me your name and address, and I'll send you a contract. Have your lawyer look at it, sign it, and send it back. I was an independent wrestler, man, that just, you know, I didn't have a lawyer. I was going to say, you're like, how do I get a rent. lawyer? <laughs> yeah, I barely make rent. But, of course, I was like, oh, of course, I'll have him look at it. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. You know what, dude? My first contract didn't even make it all the way out of the FedEx box. I pulled it out just far enough to get to the Sign Me tabs, sign my name, push that thing right back in, pulled that little seal to seal it, and sent that son of a bitch right off. <laughs> I didn't want them to make sure they didn't like, oh, wait a minute, we gave that guy a deal? Oh, my God. I, I didn't want them to, to forget. I could call two, uh, almost three weeks later, 
and it's Johnny Ace telling me that he wants me to come down to OVW. And I was like, okay. He goes, I want you down there in four weeks. It's no problem. So I'm packing up my stuff. And about two weeks later, I get a call, and they said, uh, we're going to have you come in, and you're going to tag with this kid, uh, Lance Cade, for two days, and we're going to see what you guys look like. I was like, cool. So I went out, and I come in, and they, they me and Lance wrestle. I know one night we wrestled Bobby Lashley and CM Punk before they were Bobby Lashley and CM Punk. You know what I mean? Before they were right from developmental. Um, and we worked another match the second night. And uh, we come in the back, and Johnny Ace, you know, hit Lance right there. And he's like, hey, you know, do you think you could have a good team with Trevor? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you boys are on the road this week. And I'm doing house shows three days later as a full-time WWE superstar. That's crazy, man. Uh, I, I love the orange story just because I, when I was watching you and Lance, I was thinking Arn and Tully, like in any of the stuff I've seen, like that's uh, like it just. He was such our go-to guy while we were there. Like he was our guy. Like that was that was my Harley race in the WWE. You know what I mean? This is how we're feeling, Arn. This is the story we want to tell, Arn. What do you think about this? Or, this is what we're confused on. We're not sure if we can pull this off. What, you know? And he would give us the simplest answers and make us feel like idiots, but they were, you know, they were armed. You know what I mean? And he's, that dude is so intelligent. And you talk about a guy that everybody wants to work with in and out of the ring. Man, I miss working with that cat. Yeah, he he seems like an amazing dude. And uh, the the other part of it, and we don't have to dive down this rabbit hole, but I just want to say, like, I, I I appreciate that Chris Benoit story because uh, obviously everybody knows what happened with him. But I I mean, I I actually was at a charity event that my stepmom put on uh, Ray Trailer, who was Glacier for people who don't yeah. know. Uh, he he put it on for a kid that was like in her Sunday school class that uh, you know like nobody was getting paid and I remember Chris Benoit showing up for that thing and Goldberg for what it's worth you know these guys showed up for this 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 show but I I always remember one of my best friends in the world uh, he wanted Chris Benoit's autograph and we stood out back. And uh, we were we were waiting on Chris Benoit to come out, and he came out. And as he like right as he got to us, uh, a person grabbed Chris Benoit. I was like, Chris, you gotta go. There's a plane or something. Blah blah blah. And he just like looked at the guy. He was like, We'll get another plane. There's people here. <laughs> like he just stayed inside, and that's always stuck with me. So anyway, it was just cool hearing another story. I was like, Cause man, the guy I saw that night, he was. He was a cool. He was a cool cat. Like I, I just... uh, my interactions with him and my, I have nothing but positive things to say. I understand again, barring the situation that you know that he was involved in. Um, to me, he always was nice to me and treated me with respect. So anyway, uh, Trevor. So you got to tell me then what it feels like when you're you're in. That spot, like a lot of these things seem like they're flowing really well. You guys get on the road, you're doing it, and yeah, there's some, uh, you've already talked to talked to me about a little BS. What does it do to your head when all of it starts falling apart? Because, I mean, eventually... For me, it was, for me, it was a little tougher because I didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't go to developmental. Like, I never, 
I never, I went straight. I was doing an independent show for Harley on Friday, wrestling a WWE house show on Wednesday. I mean, I never stepped one foot into developmental territory or their developmental system. So I had no idea, like, how the the WWE operation works, you know, like, when when you're not getting put on TV, what do you do? Like, who do you talk to? Like, who's the one stopping you from being on TV? And then you got to find out, well, who's writing for that segment? And then it, it was really difficult, you know what I mean? Because I'm coming from a, a scenario where there's one, there's one chief. Everybody else is Indians. I go directly to the chief every time, Harley. This is what I think we should do. This is what I want to do. Are you okay with that? I'd get a yes, or I'd get a no, or I'd get a tweak and a yes. In that situation, there's so many chiefs you didn't know you didn't know who was an Indian and who was a chief because there were so many people. So it got to be a point where, like, there were several times where we weren't being put on TV, and we were giving ideas to the writers, and we're like, "What's going on? Like, why why is this shit not getting anywhere?" And they go, "Vince just keeps shutting it down for some reason." So Lance and I get together and we're like, well, shit, let's go talk to Vince. Like, why Why can't we just go? Like, why do we got to go to all these other guys? I was like, let's just go to Vince till we start hunting this cat out. I mean, like, we're on a deer hunt. Where's he at? Where's he at? All right, he's talking to such and such. We've got to wait till he's done talking to that guy because it's obviously important. We finally catch him in catering sitting by himself for like three minutes. I mean, the one time. And we sit down and we don't like sitting there. We, we, I go on one side of Vince, Lance goes on the other. We're like, why aren't we on TV? And he kind of leans back a little bit, and he looks at Lance, and he goes, I hate your fake black hair. And he looks at me, and he goes, I hate your pasty white skin. <laughs> we looked at him, and we were like, okay. We gave him a thumbs up, and we walked away. That next week, he was back to blonde. I was spray tanning, and I'll be damned if we weren't on TV again. Oh, mighty. <laughs> that's another reason why I was so frustrated with that business at the time because a simple hey guys I don't like this and I don't like that fix it yes sir and, and we there could there didn't have to be a slowdown there didn't have to be a hiccup there didn't have to be a falling off the radar you could have just came to me and, and, and told me what you dislike and, and we talk about it and fix it and that's why I'm going to revert this conversation back to the NWA I got I got I got basically one chief and two. I got Dave Lagana and Billy, and the guys are open to, to ideas and suggestions, and they're they're people that you can come to and talk to, and that don't big league you. That's the cool thing about this. You got one guy who's Billy, who's a rock star. You got another guy, Dave Lagana, who's worked for every major company and been successful and wrote some very 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 good things. I'm talking, he's Dude's dude knows his shit. He's good, and there's not there's they're humble as hell. I can I feel like Billy could be my neighbor. He's in the back sweating it just like us, getting excited with us, hands on with us. They're talking to us. There there's no rock star and and superstar. There's we are the stars together. You know what I mean? And Billy's one hundred percent hands on. Like he's not like walking in. Uh, you know, 15 minutes before the taping starts and like, well, hey, guys, how's it going? If we're there, at, at got to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning and the night doesn't end till 11 o'clock that night, that same evening, he's there. 
he's usually the last. They're usually the last guys leaving. And what does that say about the guy who owns the the owns the place and the other guy that runs the place? They're in the trenches with us. This is not just a you're here and we're here. We're doing this together. And you can respect guys like that. You, I'm willing to go to war with those two guys because of that. Absolutely. I'm to go to war with a guy like Nick Aldis because of what he stands for and what he's doing for the company. Let's do this. If we're going to, we're going to do this, let's do it big. Hey, man, brother, I feel it. I, I can feel it in there. So, so tell me one part of your story I do want to cover that, that we haven't touched on is like, I mean, WWE falls apart. You spent some time in TNA. We don't have to get into detail about everything, but in 2018, you had, you gave up. Like, I, I, yeah. I, and I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean like no. you were just kind of like, no, I'm retired. This is, this is done. No, that was no a I totally, part. um, here's, and and this may be a little crazy, but, you know, when I was the young guy, young, young guy, I'm talking like in my 20s, 30, you know, early 30s, um, more so in my 20s, I would go to shows, not Harley shows, but I would do other shows. You know, the first five years wrestling for Harley and WLW, he averaged 78 shows a year by himself. So you imagine 78 shows for an independent company a year. And then I peppered in whatever other companies that were willing to book me when Harley wasn't running shows. So I was going to these shows, and I was seeing these older guys, and they weren't putting a lot of effort into their matches, more of a pin-me-pay-me scenario. And I always said to myself, man, if I ever get to that, I'm going to call it a day. And I wasn't getting to that. But I was getting to the point where I just, I felt like a square peg in a round world. And there just wasn't a place for me. And I wasn't willing to go out there and step into the ring in front of hardworking people that have paid money to see me and not give them my whole heart. That's not fair to them. That's not right. It's not right to you as the fans. That's my job. Like, that's my, that's my whole goal is to get you guys going, to get you guys to feel something about what I'm doing in the ring, good or bad. And if I don't have that motivation, I'm not willing to take advantage of people like that and say, hey, come see me. I want your money. And then not give them what they are expecting and deserve. Then, you know, you've got a time where, you know, Harley's starting to slow down. And the one thing that can't, that Harley can't beat is time. And I wanted to spend more time helping him, keeping things going as much as I could uh, be involved with. And it, it just, I felt like it was time for me to step out and step away. And as much as I loved it, I didn't want to shortchange the fans by not giving them everything I had. So what changed your mind? One conversation. Do you still wrestle? And and it came from Dave Lagana. And he goes, Trevor, he goes, we're starting the NWA back up. Do you still wrestle? And I said, here and there. And he goes, I want you to come to Atlanta. And I said, Dave, I'm fat, out of shape, and slow. He goes, I still want you in Atlanta. And he's told me what 
his plans, his ideas, him and Billy. And I said, okay, man, I'll, I'll come do this one show. And we'll go from there. And I seen the passion that those two guys had. Not money driven, product driven. When somebody wants to see a product grow, you can see how they act and talk. Those two guys have an idea and a goal for this company to bring something different to everybody. But something you can, everybody can enjoy. That's what wrestling is supposed to be like. Everybody keeps making these comments about, man, this is the wrestling I remember as a kid. It, it, it makes it sound old, but it's not really. It's an old concept that should have been continued but got changed. And what that, what I mean by saying that is I remember when I used to be able to watch wrestling, and I may not have liked that one match. There was something else later on that night that I was gonna that I enjoyed, and I liked something about another match or another match. You didn't have to change the channel because you got the variety right there in front of you, and that's what NWA offers you. It offers you a variety of people, real people, real individuals. Nothing against anybody else. You've got real men and women that are ready to go in there and beat the hell out of each other to prove that they're the best. And when you have that level of competition grouped together with two guys that have the love of the business and want to create something pure and awesome, bro, the sky's the limit. Oh, I love that. And, and, and Trevor, have you have you felt the love since this thing started? Because, my man, you are... Dude. You Dude. are a star of this show. You, you people, you people make a fat guy feel amazing. You people have no idea um, how much of your tweet your thank yous, your your good, your hard works. You know, I hear them, I see them, and it and it just does nothing but energize me in knowing that I've made the right decision and that people can still appreciate somebody going out there willing to give them everything they've got because that's honestly what I do in every match, man. I I try to give you guys every single thing I've got that makes sense. And that tells a good story. And that's all I've wanted to do. It's my whole career. I just want to tell stories. They're not hard stories. They're not they're not intricate. It's not rocket science. I just want to tell stories. And what what has caught me off guard is the response from the people and the love and the admiration from the people that I didn't expect. You guys are the ones that have made made this all happen for me. Like there's no there's no one in the back going, this is how we're going to write this story. They're letting me tell the truth. And and you fans are, are the one pushing me. You guys are the ones that are elevating me. You guys are, are my drive, my motivation. You don't know how much brown rice I have eaten since the last TV taping, <laughs> so I can drop some weight because of you guys. <laughs> I don't know how much time I've been spending on an elliptical. My legs are on fire. Speaking it's of, so, into the fire. Yeah. 
December 14th, yeah. Yes, sir. That's coming up, man. I, I will tell you what. Like I, I, I'm, and I, and I was getting to that pay per view because I'm interested in what your thoughts are on it. Uh, because when I saw you walk out at the tapings, I was like, "Is that Trevor Murdoch?" And then I was like, "I mean, yeah, it was a shift. About, no, 60, about fifty pounds heavier." No, well, well, no, no, not dude, pounds. not even 40. that. It was a, it was just a weird thing. You're like you you see you walk out and and I'm like that's Trevor Murdoch. Yeah, that's Trevor. That feels that feels right here. Like that's 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 who should be here. Trevor Murdoch. Hell yeah, <laughs> let's do this. And like I think everybody in the crowd felt that same way. Like we were behind you. Like immediately. Dude, I, I feel so at home. I feel so at home. Like. <laughs> Man, when I walk out and I hear those people going nuts, it's like a warm blanket around me. As crazy as going to kill my gimmick, I don't care. But, it, I mean, you guys have no idea how much warmth that makes me feel and how much drive. And, like, man, you guys have no idea how bad you should feel for my opponents when you guys get loud for me. Because, <laughs> I, dude, it just charges me up. And I'm like, man, I'm going to eat this poor bastard's lunch. He don't even know yet. Like Caleb Conley. Man, what a dude, what a talented cat, man. I mean, that guy was all over the place on me. But man, the people kept coming for me and kept coming for me. And this is legit, folks. I'm not joking. You really, really fired me up and gave me that last little push for me to beat that cat. That dude's talented. I mean, and he I mean, he's another up and comer you gotta watch out too. Don't sleep on that cat either. I don't know, man. It was just super exciting to see you excel there and to see the Thank love you. you've Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just just the, the love you've gotten from this. And I whole can't thing. do nothing but thank Billy and Lagana for giving me the platform to do it. Like those guys are like, Listen, man, we believe in you. This is what you know, we think you should do. You know, you're this is what who this is you. This is go out there and be you. You know what I mean? They just do you. I saw. Just do you. I I, I listened to a podcast the other day, and it was like, uh, uh, God, ProWrestling.net, I think it is, uh, Jason Powell. And uh, so I just want to give credit where it's due. But uh, there's a a guy on there, Will Pruitt, and uh, he was talking. He and Jason were kind of going back and forth. They're like, what's one of your favorite things about wrestling right now? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, NWA Power. NWA Power is like one of the best shows that you could watch right now if you're a wrestling fan. And then he goes, and and I think he means it's the full respect, but he's like, if you could have told me like five years ago, he's like, five years from now, you will love the NWA and Trevor Murdoch will be your favorite wrestler on that show. I would have said, did, did all the other wrestlers die? Like, why is Trevor Murdoch? Why is Trevor Murdoch on that yeah. show? <laughs> and he's like, but here we are. Here we are. That's my favorite show. And Trevor Murdoch is my favorite wrestler on that show. Right on, man. Thank you. Dude, I mean, dude, that makes me feel good, man. I'm not going to, I can't shine it up any other way, man. It, it makes me feel good that people are behind me and with me and know the struggles that, that I'm trying to bring, you know, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm I'm just doing it, man. I can't. I, I'm lost for words because I truly did not expect it. Like, I, you know, I've been a bad guy my whole career, basically. You know, and it's um, 
it's not one that gets a lot of fan love. So uh, for this to come out of nowhere, it's, it's really surprised me and it's humbled my heart. Brother, you, you know you've I mean? been out there. You've you've got you got a petition online. I found this shit. Uh, <laughs> a petition for Trevor Murdoch has been kicking butt and taking names each week in the NWA, and it's about time he gets that contract he's been asking for. We are demanding that the NWA right this wrong by not only giving him a 10-10-10 contract. 10-year, 10 million, 10 matches a year contract, but also giving him access to the company car and the keys to the executive bathroom. This petition that was would, started. <laughs> yeah. That would be super cool. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm a company <laughs> car. I mean, come on. Yeah. Hey, I'd, just, I'd be happy with a contract. You know, I just want to I just want to be a part of the team. You know what I mean, man? For, for all the, the bullshit in the in the past that we talked about, I mean, you did you did get a thing that I think a lot of people don't get a lot of, and you've locked up with Ric Flair, you've locked oh, yeah. up, yeah, you've locked up with Greg Valentine, you've locked up with like so many people that are like these legends, and of course trained under Harley Race. I mean, that's kind of cool, but then to see it finally, it feels like it's getting somewhere. You know what I mean? No, like, I. I totally agree, um, and I honestly, like, as crazy, as crazy as this sounds, man, I feel like I got, I got an eight-time, I got an eight-time angel on my shoulder leading my way, and that ain't no joke. Um, I couldn't, I wouldn't have the life that I lead today. I wouldn't be able to provide for my family the way I do. I wouldn't have been able to meet so amazing, some amazing people in this world. And I'm talking fans. The one for Harley Race. He gave a punk kid that said, hey, I want to be a wrestler a shot. He made me earn every bit of it. Harley, Harley never, you know, opened up doors for me. Harley pointed me in the right direction and said, now nah, go kick that motherfucker down. Because that's what he did. Pardon my language. That's exactly what he told me one day. I was blessed for him to be to, to care about me more than just a a, a wrestler as a person. The comment I made, uh, the, the message I made about Harley, um, he he was there. He held my child, my son, before my father did. He was at my wedding. He he held me when my wife went through two abortions at six months. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm paying bedrooms, and, and we lose the child. And I'm I'm just, I didn't know who to talk to. Or, uh, and, and the toughest man in the world opened up his arm and, and, hug, and hugs me. And I get a little emotional talking about it now because he was he was always that, that dude. He was there for everything. Like, he, he knew we were being young guys and out goofing off when we shouldn't be. And he'd call us on that. But he knew... When we were being men and we had some struggles, he was there to talk to us and guide us and guide me. Those are the parts that I'm, I feel truly blessed about. Like the wrestling's cool and shit. Don't get me wrong. I love wrestling, but I loved Harley. I still love Harley. Um, not only because he was just a badass, uh, but because that badass loved me and, uh, he's just, he's the man and I will forever have him stamped on my back and wear his name with pride. And when I step into the ring, I know I'm a representation of him 
So I am going to kick the shit out of any opponent that steps in the ring with me because he would make me. And that's his job. That's how I represent. I step into the ring and I represent that man with every part of my being. And I just have to apologize now to my next set of opponents. Yeah, that's just how I work. No, I mean, you and Nick Aldis uh, went at it this past week on NWA Power as we're recording this, and, and you guys, uh, Nick, Nick has had no shame in, like, posting it up, but, like, this is for Harley. Like, you guys both had some experience with Harley, and so um, I, I don't think you guys... He knows, crossed- Nick knows how important all of this is, too. You know what I mean? Nick, Nick was a young cat going through the school just like I was at one time, looking at Harley going, Jesus Christ, that's the eight-time NWA heavyweight champion. That's the toughest man on God's green earth. And he, he knows how important this whole thing is to me. He knows how important that NWA heavyweight title is. So he, he knows that even though him and I respect each other, I'm eyeing him down eventually. May not be today, may not be tomorrow. Me and him are going to have a come to Jesus one day. There's nobody that saw that match this past week and doesn't want to see it again. I mean, that's got to happen. Trevor, like you just you just ended the interview perfectly. So normally I would love to just cut it off right there, and you have been more than generous with your time. <laughs> um, do you have like another ten minutes you can give me? Are you cool to like if I? Because people send in questions for you, and I'm gonna feel guilty if I don't ask them. No, go for it, man. All right, brother. I I appreciate it. Um, uh, for myself, because so I mean it's my podcast, so I can do this. Um, I don't. I have another podcast that's uh, called the Psychotronic Film Society. We t- talk about like sci-fi, horror, action, all of that stuff, like just movie podcasts. And so we're, we're doing okay. But uh, uh, in that, uh, I have to bring this up. You you just did a movie called Salem Tusk. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Working on it. Now the, the, the posters are out. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to dime you out or nothing. But I'm no. I'm working on it. It's a. Uh, it's in production. Okay. Um, and I'm supposed to be uh, one of the the mallets, the mallet swinging madman, Sebastian Crane. Yeah, you say and supposed to. I saw like some clips with you already. Those are the trailers that we are leading in for the movie. So yes, uh, hopefully, if things continue to go as well they are as well as they are, you will not only see me in the ring but also on the big screen. In the Adventures of Salem Tusk. That's the steampunk, the steampunk Adventures of Salem Tusk. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. I do have that right in front of me. That's ex- that's that's cool, man. I'm I'm excited to see what comes of that. I'm, I'm actually co-starring with another former uh, pro wrestler turned actor, extremely successful actor, actually, uh, Bishop Stevens, who used to wrestle for the WWE and WCW. He was just in the uh, the girl on the third floor. My wife and yes, I. Yes, he was. We yes, just was. watched that on Halloween. My wife and I. Very talented uh, actor. Yeah, that's that's man, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm happy for you. Uh, so I would be remiss if I didn't give my co-host Adam Rotella the chance to ask the next thing. He wants me to bring up the fact that you told me to do my homework, and I did my homework. And you are a huge fan of the Ellen Show. 
I am, dude. I am. It's, <laughs> it's um, you know, when when I'm able to get off work in time, or I'm able to stop for a minute at four o'clock, it airs here in Missouri, my house, and um, all right. I mean, it's. Dude, it, it's just a positive show. Like, she's constantly talking about good things. And when you live in a world that tends to focus more on the negative sometimes, um, whether it be the news or social media or whatever, you can always go to that lady's show and watch something happy. You know, somebody getting money or, or somebody that was hurt that helped somebody else out or, you know, something positive in the world. And legitimately, unless you're watching, you know, kids' cartoons, you, you don't get a lot of that. So, yeah, I'm an Ellen Mark. I, I want to go to her show one day. I want to do the little shakey shake. I want to. <laughs> uh, I, I do. I do want to do it, you know. Because she's a positive person, and, you know, positive people tend to, you know, you want to gravitate towards that. And I know, it kills the gimmick. I know, you can't talk about <laughs> me wanting to kick the shit out of somebody. I was going to say, the vicious you, redneck. You know, this is a fan right, of Ellen. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm leaving the locker room, getting my truck, drive to the house. Where's my Ellen? I know it don't. I know it doesn't translate. That's who I am. You know what I mean? So if you don't like it, I don't care. Oh, man, I love that. All right, so I'm going to get into some actual fan questions real quick, and then we'll let you go, Trevor. Uh, right on. Uh, the, uh, I, got, I got grilled cheese and tomato soup waiting for me, homie, so it's my cheat night. Oh, my God, I'm sorry, buddy. I'll, I'll, I'll try to hurry. To, <laughs> you can tell me to, to fuck off at any point, I promise. <laughs> no, dude, I want to answer the fans' questions, man. That's All right. Uh, at 30 Foxtrot on Twitter says, have you ever considered tagging with Ray Gordy anyone else on your wish list of tag partners? I d I'm not familiar with Ray Gordy. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, yeah. He actually wrestled for the WWE. Um, he was he tagged partner. He was he tagged with Jesse. He was Jesse as when he tagged with Festus. Oh, he's okay. Also, he's also um, Terry Gordy's son. I did not know that. Yes. Um, um, he, dude, he, he's a great cat. And, and to be absolutely honest with you, um, an extremely, extremely talented wrestler that just like, you know, a lot of guys got, you know, overlooked and shouldn't have. Um, when it comes to tag teaming, um, I feel right now that I have done what I can in the tag team realm for me. Not saying later on down the road I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into a tag team with somebody. But uh, with me being in the NW, I can pick somebody. Like I don't have someone thrown with me. Like you're gonna you're gonna wrestle with this guy. If I got as as crazy as it sounds, if I find a connection with somebody, we're like, man, I think you and I could do some big business taking on these guys, I'll do it. But right now, I've never really had my singles run where I can prove to the world that I can hang and bang and talk on the mic like a uh, like the man, to be the man. I want my opportunity. I, 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 and I think that 
wrestling singles is my way to go right now. I want to prove that not only to myself, but to the people, more so to myself, because I think I can do it. I really believe in my heart of hearts that I can, ha I can be a champion as a singles wrestler. And, and I want to do it. I want to, I want to earn it. I want to work. I got no problems working for it. I'll sweat. I'll bleed. I'll dig. I'll fight. I'll do whatever I need to do. But I, I got, I need it. I have to have it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You, uh, and that, that actually covered a few of the questions that we got, just the, even that response. Um, this, uh, fellow named nameless entity on uh, Twitter says, how do you and your peers overcome fear? Even a basic suplex. I reckon if one thing goes wrong, somebody could get hurt. I'm really paranoid about all of that. I'd be worried about hurting somebody because I mistimed something. Um, that's a, that's a weird question, but yeah, no, I no, guess no, like... No. no, no, the guys want me to, to shoot, but also, you know, cave, not, you know not break cave fake. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I guess the way I get over it is I'm willing to offer, offer myself up to this guy. So I, I've got to trust my opponent. Not going to break my neck intentionally. Um, if that makes any sense, uh, it's man, I've, I've worked hard to learn how to hit people hard in safe places. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I know how to effectively hurt somebody, but not break somebody. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds and, good. And, um, I don't know. Like I step into that ring, accepting full consequences that I might not walk out the same way I walked in. Um, and, I think every wrestler accepts that, and it's an unwritten rule that, all right, you know, I could get fucked up in this. Pardon my language, but I could. Like, I could get, you know, I mean, you could. But you, you just accept it. You just, okay, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I'm willing to risk to hear those people chant my name. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm actually going to feel pretty good that, like, in the hour and a half, I think we've been talking, we covered a lot of these questions in the conversation. I'll uh, credit myself for that. But uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, so you, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but somebody's asking, uh, how did what was the locker room right like for NWA Power? Um, what's the locker room like for me? It's exciting. Uh, because you've got everybody, you, you don't have, you don't have guys hating each other in this locker room. You have competitors. Um, and you have guys that all know that this is an amazing opportunity and everybody's trying to up everybody else's game. Like it's, uh, it's like the best way I can put it. As if when you've got all your buddies around you and they all want to win the game, like you're all on the same team. Even though you're kicking each other's ass, we're all on the same team. And and we all respect the fact that when we step through the ropes 
before we get on that microphone, it's business. It's business. It's nothing personal. Um, extreme professionalism. That's what a lot of people don't understand in, in professional wrestling is that, uh, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of gumption, testicular fortitude, professionalism to have somebody talking shit to you to the world and you not want to go out there and instantly break this individual. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. There's professionalism in there. We all step each other's game up and know that when we step out of the ring, we're all just trying to do for the greater good. I like that answer. Trevor, I'm going to ask you one more question because I feel like it kind of rounds it out. Uh, right you, you, you actually answered half of these questions that, that we got from people just in this normal conversation we had. Um, but this kind of goes to where I would have ended it normally. This person, Jack Stevens, says, uh, do you feel that at this point in your career, it's time to have a major world title run and that a lot that a, a world title run that you deserve and a lot of people have denied giving you. That's how he worded it. Um, I'm not. I'd, I'd be an idiot and I would be foolish to say no. But I'm not ready. Like, there's, uh, yes, I'm, I've been wrestling for a long time. Uh, but I've also got enough common sense and experience to know that sometimes something too fast isn't good. Um, I want to prove myself to everybody. And that, that doesn't happen in six weeks. That doesn't happen overnight. Um, but when I get to that point and I know that I've went out there and proven to everybody that I am the real world champion, then I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn, toot toot toot. Uh, but right now, I'm gonna keep my head down, keep my horse blinders on, and just focus on my next opponent and try to beat him. And then when I get done with that, I'm gonna try to beat my next opponent. And before I know it, I've beaten enough people to be able to speak up and say, "Now it's my turn." I want my opportunity. Who do I got to beat? The next opportunity you might have uh, as far as a uh, big event is December 14th. Uh, Into the Fire, NWA. Trevor, do you have somebody in mind for that already? Do you have? We haven't seen it play out on television on where that might no. go. No, that's the cool thing. I've said it in my promos, and, and that ain't no shit. I'm willing to fight anybody. So you ain't got to call me and let me know. And just put their name on next to mine and we'll go at it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm taking on all comers. If You know, and that's the one thing about, like, I respect about Nick Aldis as champion. Is he'll take on anybody and everybody. You got to earn it. You got to be worthy of it. But he won't turn it down. And I got to run by that same, that same motto. If I want to be that world champion, Nick Aldis is the leader. And I got to follow his lead. So that's why I play this. I'll beat anybody I've got to. And that's a shoot, folks. I don't care. I'm Actually, I think I'm going to start going on a world tour and start going to other promotions, taking on their tough talent, their, their top tough, you know, tough man talent, and traveling all over the world again and start doing some indie bookings and taking taking on some of your, uh, your you know, 
I'll go to any I'll go to any independent promotion and take on your toughest guy. Because if I'm not afraid to step into the ring with the tough guys in NWA, I ain't afraid to, to step into the ring with the tough guys in the independent scene. Oh hell yeah! And as you've seen with Billy's new, with Billy and Dave's new project, Circle Squared, we're going to be having some of the top talent in the world come knocking on our door, and and that's not lost on me either. I'm going to be watching those guys too. That's the thing that, that these independent guys need to understand about this opportunity with the Squared Circle is that everybody's going to be watching you. So bring your A game. Because I'm looking for another opponent, too, just like Nick Aldis is. Even the question mark? Excuse me? I said even the question mark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take him on. I mean, <laughs> I've been watching, dude. Don't, I, I watch it all. I watch, I watch the girls. I watch Eli Drake. I watch Tim Storm. I watch the Dawsons. I watch the question mark. I watch it all because eventually I'm going to be in the ring with all of them, one way or another. Maybe not so much the ladies. I don't. Them some. Them some mean women. Allison Thunder Rosa. Kay, you don't. Thunder, Rosa, Thunder Rosa and Allison K. You don't want to. Mm. Dude, them <laughs> girls are going to beat the snout out of each other. One of them's going to re rearrange a nose or two. I'm just saying, them girls. <laughs> they ain't divas. The rest of you're right. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that negatively towards them ladies. Them girls are going to go to town, and and, and I'm going to watch. Cause who, doesn't love, <laughs> who doesn't love a good girl fight? You're right. You're right, brother. All right, Trevor Murdoch, you have, uh, you have – I have overstayed my welcome with you, man. I appreciate you being so cool and hanging out with us for so long tonight. Right on, uh, People are people are going to dig this and hearing hearing from you. Uh, where where are you at on Twitter and, and Facebook and everywhere if they want to they want to. Man, I am at Real T Murdoch. Man, I can't even get. All right, here's my big complaint. If I don't get anything out of this interview, man, we got to get Twitter to step up their game, folks, because I deserve a blue check mark. I mean, y'all are talking about me as a world champion. I can't even get Twitter to give me a little blue check mark, y'all. Y'all get it. Y'all help get Murdoch a get a blue check mark. Yeah, he's got to get verified. Come on, can we get can we get verified? Because I mean, not too many fat rednecks like me get on social media and say they want to be me. So I obviously got to be me. Let me have a blue check mark. Hey man, you've stepped up that game in the last little bit. You you talk about me doing my homework. I read. I went through your whole Twitter, brother. <laughs> and it was mostly just like Facebook posted to Twitter for forever. And over the last like few months, you really stepped up your game. You've been on there. Well, so. and Twitter, you know, I'll be absolutely honest with you, man. I've gotten I'm more connected, it seems like, with the fans on Twitter. Whereas um, on Facebook, I just, I, I enjoy Facebook. And you guys, you know, you can see my fat head on there. It's Trevor Murdoch, ain't, ain't no line. Um, I just can't seem to connect and respond to the fans uh, the way I can through Twitter and even a little bit on Instagram. Um, I've always had those accounts. Uh, I just, you know, people are starting, you know, they stopped talking to me for a while. So I stopped talking back. Um, now they're talking to me again. Yeah, it ain't about to back. slow down, buddy. You're, you're, <laughs> you're hot shit now, Trevor Murdoch. Well, I just, I hope that I can uh, give the fans what they want and, and pay back their support and their uh, their drive for me because it, it really, 
you guys really have humbled me and and given me a servant's heart again because I just can't believe how kind and everybody's been, how supportive everybody's been. Uh, don't think that when I walk out there all pissed off, um, staring at you, that, that I'm not, not thinking that I don't love you and don't appreciate you. Just understand I'm ready to go to war with whoever's stepping in the ring with me, and i got to put my game face on, but it doesn't mean I don't hear you guys. So Yeah, boss. I, it, I means, think... it really, really means the world to me. Yeah, I, I think I think people get that, and they 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 feel something with you right now that they want to get behind you. It's it's really cool. It was no lie that you are uh, you and Thunder Rosa, who I'm gonna have back to back now, uh, were like the people out of everybody that people keep asking for. Like, give me Trevor Murdoch, give me Thunder Rosa. Well, we've delivered <laughs> now. Here was Trevor Murdoch, and he just like gave us two hours of talking to you people. So. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, uh, everybody for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Trevor, for, for taking time. I appreciate time. you having me on, and uh, just thanks for the ride, guys. And, and please hang with me because it's going to get crazier, I promise. All right, boss. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.